Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. uh, Hey, next Sunday is Easter, everybody. And so uh, I hope that you can gather with us at one of those three times. It's a great opportunity for us to celebrate the risen king. Um, Hey, today, Palm Sunday, uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter 21. I want to encourage you to, um, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, uh, next Sunday, we're having a baptism celebration for all of you that want to go public with your faith. Uh, And so that'll be uh, after the third service next Sunday. And uh, it's a fun time to hang out a little bit longer uh, if you want to. Maybe you want to go have brunch, come back. Uh, But We've got this incredible space here now at Fiorella's. And so everybody said amen. What's up? All right. Can I get, I got an amen from Will. All right. Can I get another amen? All right. Okay. All right. Good. And, uh, and it's just, it's just enjoyable. We talked about uh, fellowship last week and I got a lot of amens last week on fellowship. Talking about lordship today, a little bit harder subject, uh, but amen anyway. Uh, and so um, it's a great opportunity to come back and meet people. And many of you are, um, Maybe new to Radiant, some of you uh, have not been able to connect in a long time uh, because of the pandemic, but it's a great opportunity to come and celebrate people going public with their faith. So it's going to be great next week um, on Easter, three services and then baptism. All right. We're going to go after this, Matthew 21, Palm Sunday. We're going to read the classic Palm Sunday text. I actually mentioned all four times, all four gospels have Palm Sunday. And so uh, I'm going to go with Matthew today. Most of what I'm pulling out of the text today is out of Matthew. All right, so let's go after it. Then I'll pray. And then we're going to go after celebrating Jesus, the King who comes in on the donkey into Jerusalem. Here we go. You ready? All right, Matthew 21. Here we go. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on on, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone, if anyone says anything to you, so that the Lord needs, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter of Zion, see the king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that's Jesus riding both the donkey and the colt. I'm not sure how that works, but he, he got her done. All right. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'm just reading it as is. All right. Uh, the disciples went, Dad, how does that work? You don't know. Okay. Uh, the, do- the disciples went and did it. He said, my dad said, yeah. I don't know. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, there's the shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, here I I want you to see this. The whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
So Matthew gives us the whole city stirred, and we've got this Hosanna, shout, he's the savior. Wave the palm branch. It's like the ticker tape. It's like, yes, it's celebration. But then on Friday, there's another shout. And I just want to juxtapose these two shouts today. Because Matthew gives us the shout of the crowds when you've got Barabbas and Jesus standing before the the crowds and they scream, give us Barabbas instead of Jesus. So same week, and you've got this intriguing shout that's different than the shout, Hosanna, you're the Messiah. (laughs) Hosanna in the highest. Now you've got Matthew 27, five days later. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they answered him. Here's their answer. Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. And don't you love that conversation? If you read John 18, you see Jesus and Pilate having this conversation where it is intense, where Pilate begins to ask Jesus about, are you a king? And Jesus says, oh, my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate is asking, what's the truth? And Jesus is looking at him and says, hmm. And you could sell, when you just read it, you can read Jesus even caring about Pilate and Pilate's response. And he says, don't you realize I have the power to have you crucified? And Jesus said, you'd have no power over me unless it would give it you from above. And Jesus is talking about a bigger kingdom than what everybody else can see. And then they said, but they shouted all the louder to Pilate in the city of Jerusalem. Shout on Sunday, Hosanna, son of David, <laughs> savior of the world, the Messiah. Shout on Friday crucify him. Father, we lift up our church, our city, God, our globe that needs Jesus. We just today come before you asking that you would help us to be the people that stay loyal to the Savior, loyal to Jesus, loyal to the Lamb to the end. And I pray that you would strengthen us today as we look at your word. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Most Bible scholars think that many of the same people that shouted crucify him on Sunday potentially shouted, sorry, they shouted Hosanna on Sunday, potentially shouted crucify him on Friday. It's kind of interesting because the human heart, when we, when we don't get what we want, it's amazing how, how much expectations that are mismatched when we have a desire, hope for something that doesn't turn out how easy it is to flip, how easy it is to turn. I was reading even this week, this happens to Jesus, even if you don't talk about these two shouts. Look at this, in Luke chapter four, there's the story where Jesus comes in and he's teaching, and in Luke 4, 15, it says they all praised him. In Luke 4, 22, seven verses later, it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that, at, at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? So they praised And then they were amazed. Wow, praise, amazement, awesome. Seven verses later, verse 29. These people, they got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill of which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. 
<laughs> what? Wait a minute. He's awesome. Praise, amazement. Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like what he's teaching. Throw him off the cliff. <sighs> Quick turn. I was just thinking, even as I was just reading uh, an article this week uh, about how easy it is for us to turn. <laughs> so I know. I, I was reading... I was reading a story about the NCAA basketball tournament, so it's, don't, don't think it's too deep. But, um, and I'm just reading this story about Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts University. Just had to throw that in, and there's an amen. And, and, and just reading the story about how this guy, leading scorer, scored 23 points, misses a free throw, though, and how he had death threats. Ohio State loses, and he got death threats. And I'm just thinking, who, who sends a death threat to a basketball player? But what is it? What is it? It's a flip. It's a whole, oh, I, I thought you were a star. I thought we were going to win. You didn't give me what I wanted. And it's, it's a small version, but now magnify that on what matters forever and how easy it is for our hearts to flip, how easy it is for our hearts to turn. Now, thinking about it in my own journey, how easy it is for me when I have hope and expectation and even the crisis moments of my life. How easy it is to have accusation towards God instead of affection when I don't get what I want. When, when I think, God, you didn't come through for me like I had hoped. And many of us, hey, I didn't get the healing that I had hoped for. This family crisis is not what I expected. This job situation, oh, God, where are you? What happened? And I just wonder how easy it is for us to turn. And maybe like some of the crowds, maybe some of the people, maybe not all, but some, certainly the tone in Jerusalem, all the city on Sunday, Hosanna, son of David. Yes, the Messiah, the lineage of David, the one that we'd hope for, the king. Here he is, expectation. Why? You're gonna set us free from the oppression of the Romans. But when Jesus doesn't confront Romans, like they had hoped, we thought that he was going to crush them, not be crushed by them. And now there's a different story unfolding, maybe tempting for us, just like we read for them to flip. One of the one of the most painful things in my journey. I'm I'm about I'm in my mid 40s, so I'm 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 probably like three decades of like. Mm. 100% all in, baby. I'm, I'm probably about three decades in of following Jesus. My parents would say four. I don't know, you know, give or take. Uh, I don't know how well I was following Jesus at five, but I had a pinstripe suit. But I, 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 look, at, I look at this journey and my, one of the painful things in my journey, just to be vulnerable today, is how many comrades I've had that had all in. Hosanna. He's a savior. I prayed a prayer. I said, yes, I'm all in with Jesus. But in 2021, maybe 20 years later, life didn't turn out like I'd hoped. He didn't give me what I wanted. And maybe it's not throw him off a cliff. Maybe it's not switching to the crowd that's screaming, crucify him. But there are certainly seven steps back disillusionments and the allegiance to the lamb has turned towards accusation of the lamb. Maybe even anger at the church. Some kind of reason where actually I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I desired. And so because of that, 
I'm upset. I'm disappointed. And I'm going to back up. And I want us to go into Easter next week with a heart that actually cares, is broken, is praying for every single person that we know that needs Jesus. Every single person that a lie of the enemy has got into their mind and their thinking thoughts, they're running movies in their mind of a false accusation. And maybe they just can't see because if they could have seen who Jesus was, they could have known, but all they saw was a shallow version. They just saw what they could see. And they didn't see the deep work that Jesus was doing. So for them, and, and I, was, I was just thinking about, you know, my whole life, I've heard the stories about, hey, the Jewish people, they wanted to be free from Roman oppression and Jesus didn't do it. So I've heard great sermons on how Peter, man, pull out the sword and all the way to the end, we want freedom from the Romans and how Peter didn't see it. Matthew 16, Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, Peter, Peter, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And Peter goes, no, you're not. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Woo! Dark moment when Jesus calls you Satan. And, and so I've heard stories about this, this Roman oppression. But, but, but if you just put yourself in the story, I just want to invite you to put yourself in the story today. And I just want you to feel some of their pain. Like enter into their pain. Like enter into the pain of foreign invaders coming in and the story that we read about in Matthew 2, where they kill all the babies in Bethlehem. Like, uh, sorry, all the, baby, all the baby boys, two and under, in Bethlehem. Just, just imagine, just context. Put that in our day. Imagine your pain. Imagine your frustration. Imagine your irritation. Imagine how you would feel. So I've been to Bethlehem. Actually, uh, <laughs> I was a great youth pastor. I lost teenagers in Bethlehem. Was I? Uh, so... Bethlehem brings back like scary memories for me, running frantically. Dear God, <laughs> the Savior was born here, but I lost teenagers. Will I make it to heaven? I mean, I just, ah! Um, calling Renata, you're not going to believe this. I lost kids in Bethlehem. Um, but anyway, but I've been to Bethlehem and I just ima imagine, imagine like, so it's about six miles south of Jerusalem. Imagine something, you know, maybe a city, you know, south of here. Just imagine a town and all the babies foreign invaders come in, Romans, and they have the baby boys killed. Like, imagine what you'd feel. Imagine if the level of taxation was so high that it was nearly impossible and your own people turned on you, became tax collectors, that you, 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 it kept you poor because the taxation was so high. And if you couldn't meet the tax, then someone came in and would beat you. And so stories of how even children seeing a father beaten because they couldn't pay the tax. Now he's wounded and hurt. Can't and in the cycle. And we, we think mostly of the cross of, because of Jesus. And imagine if capital punishment in that season of time, if you see as you're walking through town, if you see people being crucified, like the, the inhumane way that things were handled, there was actually this pain saying, we're under this Roman oppression. And we have this prophetic fulfillment. Jesus comes in. This is fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. He's coming in. He's riding in on a donkey. It's a king. And we've been in waiting, in expectation for the Messiah to come and set us free. And this is Passover. And on Passover, we're celebrating about how God, the goodness of God, set us free from Egyptian oppression. And we as a people are celebrating 
Oh, there was a day where Yahweh sent in Moses and Moses walking with God, experiencing a direct message from God, the burning bush walks into Egypt, confronts the Pharaoh. And 10 plagues later, woo, our people walking out of Egypt. And then God using Moses, raise up the staff and walk through the Red Sea. Woo! And then God, using his man, Moses, his prophet, Moses, and he sent bread from heaven. And so they would gather for the Passover. And this moment that we read here is the gathering at Passover. And this would be where thousands of people came into town. So 256,000 lambs slaughtered in worship, sacrifice in this season. It would be in our context, like I went in Norman, I know University of Oklahoma, and there was normal days, about 360 days out of the year, about five days a year, home football game. And all of a sudden the city got turned upside down, turned crimson and cream, people parking in the grass, different ball game, every restaurant full. It's just chaos because thousands and thousands and thousands of people descend upon college town for the football game. Multiply that. They come to Jerusalem. Everything's it's, but it's not just for a football game. It's this expectation. This is Passover. And this is about what really matters. This is more than a game. This is our lives. We're under Roman oppression. And here comes Jesus. And he's its fulfillment of the prophecies. He's from Galilee. And, and here's what we've heard. What we've heard is much like Moses confronted the Pharaoh. Maybe this is the man who's going to come and confront the Romans. Maybe set us free. And we've heard stories. Yeah, we know that Moses, God used him to split the Red Sea. But rumor has it that this young rabbi from Galilee speaks and the wind and the waves obey. We've heard stories that he's walking on water. And Moses, <laughs> yeah, as Moses led the people, God sent bread from heaven. There's a story out there that this rabbi, this prophet, this man of God fed thousands of people and turned some bread and fish into a feast for thousands. And, and, and not only is he able to speak to the wind and the waves, kind of like Moses, not only is he able to multiply the bread, this is, this is a whole nother level. There's healing in the desert. He's healing people. Maybe this is a new Moses. Maybe this is God's man. And maybe he's going to come in and confront the Romans and get us out of this oppression. We have high expectation. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes. In the name of the Lord. Hosanna, son of David. High expectation. And Jesus comes. And of course, you and I know we get to look backwards at the cross and we get to look at, hey, Jesus was doing a deeper work the whole time. We get to say more than just first century 
it's all time. More than just the Jewish people, there's a great multitude from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne because of the finished work of what Jesus does on the cross. You and I get to look at this and say, wow, Jesus came to save sinners. There's this deep work and Jesus going to the cross is bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than what you can see, Peter. It's bigger than what you can see to everybody that turns when they don't get exactly what they want. But your ways are higher than our ways. God was at work and he came in to defeat sin, Satan. Far more than just confront the Caesar. Oh man, he's confronting and giving a death blow to the devil for all time. It's a bigger story. But I think for you and for me, our tendency, even in our own lives, is to go, I'm gonna flip going to turn. Jesus. And one of the most painful things in my journey is some of my very best friends who at 25, loyal to the lamb. But circumstance didn't turn out quite like they had hoped. And at 45, it's an accusation. I don't know what I think. Little deconstruction of my faith listen to lies, and I'm, I'm desperate. I'm desperate, not just for you, but I'm desperate for our city, the people that are believing lies, not just for me, but for people out there that are just, they put what they want, what they expect, and they turn and they go. My dream is that you and I would help them see Jesus that, we would, that they would be, be able to see who he is. I love the story in Mark 2. It's a story where the friends who love the paralytic so much that they come and they lower him. They open up a, a hole in the roof and they lower him to Jesus. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus says, but so that you'll believe that the Son of Man can forgive sins, I'll heal him too. Here's what you see. Here's the deep work that Jesus sees. Here's the, here's the deep reality. Here's what matters. Here's what I've come for. I've come to save sinners. That's the big one. Oh, and he heals him, but here's the big one. He saves him. And so Jesus, on this mission to bring salvation to you and me, to bring salvation to the world. He comes. And many of us, many people around us, we, we check out, we turn, because it doesn't make, we, we don't understand how he's working. We can't, we can't understand why circumstances turned out. Why didn't things go better? And Jesus in this Palm Sunday moment, He's just, it's that moment where he's just making it clear who he is. Like, you remember, Matthew gives story after story where Jesus says, don't tell anyone what I've done for you. Remember, it's kind of weird. We're kind of thinking, why wouldn't he want people to know? Jesus is wanting to fulfill ministry. He's wanting to bring healing. He's wanting to teach. And then here on this Sunday at Passover, when he goes to Jerusalem, this is the moment where he's just suddenly confronting Form your opinion of me. Here's how we're, we're, we're doing this. C.S. Lewis says, everybody eventually has to face who Jesus is. And you may call him 
Lord, lunatic, or liar, but you're gonna have to choose who he is. And, and, and I just, that's this moment. That's when we read about Palm Sunday and this Passion Week where people start to have to respond. Jesus right there, riding in on the donkey. He's looking at Pilate. He's talking about my kingdom is not, I am a king, but he's a different kind of king. He's not a king like they expected. He comes in and he's the king. He's the, I mean, he's a servant king. He's not coming in, bossing everybody around. He's coming in with it. He's got a towel and he's serving people. He's healing. He's not, he's not the normal kind of king that they would expect. He's not a wealthy king. Comes in as a humble king. He comes in with, I mean, born in a manger. No place to lay his head. Swaddling clothes, which is just another word for rags. Like, he's just, it's humility. It's, it's and he's, He's not, a, he's not a king hanging out with all the wealthy, influential, cool people. No, he's hanging out with the misfits. He's the king of the misfits. He's hanging out with the drunkards, and the prostitutes, and the tax collectors, and the fishermen, the poor. He's better than we could have imagined. He is a different kind of king. Pilate. Huh, the people, huh, uh, you and I on this side know the cross, the resurrection, the mission of the Messiah and what he accomplished. We go, and it should be our beck and call to say, "I'm, I'm loyal to you to the end. We got some revelation and we don't see all one day. One day we'll go, wow. I mean, there, John tells the story, even in Revelation, about how one day we'll pull out the palm branches again, and it's not a donkey, it's a white horse, and it's not just a few people in the crowd, it's a great crowd from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping the Lamb. That's where it's headed. It's going to, it's headed even bigger. It's an incredible. But he came, and he's the suffering servant, who's the king who came in on the donkey, And I just want us today to get a fresh look and go, he's bigger than we can imagine. We see such a shallow version. He's, even if every sermon, every book, everything that can be said, and he still surpasses all those things. He's bigger, it's deeper than we can fathom. It's it's more amazing, but we live with our our little snapshot, our little shallow piece. And when we don't get what we want, throw him off the cliff. Now, we won't throw them off a cliff. What we typically do is we just say, I'm disillusioned. I'm mad at somebody. I'm bitter. I'm frustrated at God. I'm frustrated at something. But I just want to invite you to just see the work of God. It's more than, he's better than you can imagine. He's at work in a way that you could not know. He loves more than you can even fathom. When I was eight years old, um, there was this great lady in our church. My dad was the pastor and uh, she was uh, my favorite lady in the church because uh, during the meet and greet moment, she gave me money. <laughs> and uh, so I would sit towards the front and uh, her name was Carolyn. And I uh, made it my point to always go and greet Carolyn. Um, Carolyn was my favorite lady in the church. Not only did she give me money, but she gave me McDonald's. Um, and so she would invite the triplets uh, to McDonald's and she would take us out to McDonald's. So I really liked Carolyn because she gave me stuff. 
Juxtapose that with, uh, with my, my granddad, my dad's dad, who lived six hours south of where we lived. And my parents would go on different trips and we would stay with granddad. And uh, granddad was extremely kind, but he was extremely frugal. And uh, so granddad, he fed us hot dogs uh, almost every night and we ate potatoes for breakfast. And uh, he would, like when he kissed you, he gave you like a, like he was, gave this really great kiss and he was really sweet, but he did not spend a dollar. Like, uh-uh. Like when you go to granddad's, it's, I mean, and I, I mean, I could, I could preach a whole sermon about how frugal granddad was, probably the most frugal person I ever, have ever known. And, uh, and so it's easy in those moments to think like, man, I like Carolyn. Like mom and dad, if you're going to leave, send us with Carolyn. We want to stay with Carolyn. We want to do McDonald's. We want to do taco time. We want to do, I mean, we want, we want that. But I couldn't see the whole story. In reality, my granddad loved me mm, a whole lot more than Carolyn. In reality, my granddad was self-sacrificially living on nothing so that he could save every dime, so that he could give. And my granddad, when he was 90, went to be with Jesus. And I didn't know this, but man, you talk about, you talk about a, a guy who worked a hard job his whole life and gave sacrificially. I mean, I'm not even his son, I'm his grandson, but I just want you to know, he helped me make it through my liberal arts college degree, right? Like all of a sudden I realized, oh, there's a bigger story I didn't know about. Granddad didn't give me McDonald's. Granddad, he never gave me a dollar in my hand during meet and greet, but granddad, there's a deep work, there's a deep love. So many times we just look at what we can see and we think, I know God didn't give me what I want. I didn't get, name your issue. And it's easy. You would read the story when I say, put yourself in the story. No one says, oh, I'm in the crowd that says crucify him. We would never say that. No, we would never say I'm in the one, I, I would reject him. Most Bible scholars think there were many that screamed, Hosanna, and five days later flipped and cried out, crucify him. And I don't think we do it over the course of five days, but I think many Americans do it over the course of five decades. I just didn't get what I wanted. And Jesus was actually a means to my end to get what I wanted. And when I don't get it, then I'm mad at God. I want Jesus to get the American dream. I want Jesus to get instead of he is God. He saved me. I give him everything because he is worthy. So I was thinking about who's loyal. And there's lots of different ways you could go here, but I was just fascinated this week as I was studying about Practically speaking, because I love to give you practical things. Okay, David, got it. I don't want to flip. I don't want to turn. How can I stay loyal to the lamb to the end? And I think one of the most beautiful pictures in the narrative of the week that Jesus was crucified is the loyalty of John, the beloved. Because in John 13, just before the arrest, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And John goes, he leans in. And that's what I want you to picture. He leans in to Jesus and says, 
Is it me? And it's a funny story because in John 13, Peter's like waving it like you ask him. It's kind of like, come on, you're his buddy, right? You're close. So, so John, had, and John even, you know, five times he calls himself the disciple that the Lord loved. He's got this like relationship with Jesus. And I think when you face your darkest moments and your biggest crisis, the first thing that helps you walk through the difficulty, the confusion, the disappointment, I thought that he was gonna set me free from the Romans. I thought, pick your own issue. If you're close, if you know him, if you spend time with him, if you're the disciple that the Lord loves that wants to be as close as possible to Jesus, then you're not intellectually trying to fix your problems. You're just saying, I'm close with Jesus no matter what. That's why every 21 days in the fall, we give you a journal. And we just say, just be with Jesus for 21 days. Spend time with God. And our prayer and our dream is that you would form a habit of just being John, just getting so close. I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna lean into relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna be so close to God. I think that helps you. I think another thing that I see in John, John at the foot of the cross. So if you picture this, all the disciples run away. All the crowds disperse. Yeah, they, Hosanna, but at the cross, the, the overwhelming tone in Jerusalem, crucify him. And their disciples mismatched all the way through, not saying this was all everybody, but the turning took place in the city. But there's the story of John at the cross. And we know because we read that all the disciples left, that would include John, the night that Jesus was arrested. But John is there at the foot of the cross. And I think it's intriguing that he's there with Mary and then Jesus's aunt, Mary's sister, and two other Marys. So John's there with four other women. And I don't know all the dynamics of how you got to that moment. I don't know if John went out and was like, I gotta find Mary. I wanna, she will not turn I don't know if they just both, you know, had their own journey and it just ended up that the beloved disciple and the mother of the Mary, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, were both there. I don't know how they found each other in the crowds and the chaos, but they're together. And I think one of the best things that you can ever do is get some, some friends that just say, Jesus is what unites us. We're gonna do some life together. We're gonna be together. Actually, this week, I was in a text thread with a missionary who's on the front lines in Nepal. And I found myself, because of a text thread, starting to have a like, fresh fire of, man, we gotta reach the nations, baby. Like, I can, what is it? Relationship. So it's comrades. It's amazing the power of people who have God at work inside of them, and you spend time with them and connect with them, and how that starts to grow in you. And I, I see John, third thing, Foot of the cross, Jesus says, John, behold your mother. And John, to the end, serves Jesus. Okay. John says, and the scripture says that John took care of Mary. Just imagine, in our journey, if we are mostly intellectual, mostly searching what we think of Jesus on the internet, Mostly forming opinions based upon what other people think versus if we're really with Jesus. I mean, you're actually doing it. It's not theory. I'm not talking about theoretical. I'm talking about you and Jesus. You know him and you walk and you spend time with him. I'm talking about where you're, you're living your life with some comrades, 
They're going after God and it is their mission. It's their bigger mission than to be millionaires. It's their bigger mission than to be famous. It's their bigger mission than to have a nice life. Like their allegiance is to the lamb. And you're like, God will serve. One of my heroes is Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And there's this story about how in the 1720s, he, a German nobleman, how he saw a painting and it was Jesus on the cross. And it's just, it's just depicting the crucifixion. And then it said, I have done this for you. What will you do for me? And so then as he meditated on the weightiness of Jesus going to the cross, he flipped and he turned his whole life into allegiance to Christ. He's the one that led a prayer movement that touched the nations, sent people two by two all over the world saying, Jesus gave his life, I'll give mine. So John was the one at the foot of the cross, loyal to the lamb all the way to the end. And friends, we live in a time where it's so easy to turn. It's great to be here got each other right now. But my guess is that your story is similar to mine. That you, in your own journey, have had moments of, this did not turn out like I hoped. I think you probably have people in your life like I have people in mine. They've taken a few steps back and said, I don't know if I wanna give all to Jesus. And my prayer is that as we go into this week, the good news of the gospel, that it's not subjective based upon our own good days and bad days. The truth, Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus came, Jesus went to a cross. There's a deep work. He came to save sinners, all of us. He went to a cross for us and that we would be reminded there's a deeper story that I actually bend my whole life around and I give Jesus all. My prayer is that we would be like John, loyal to the lamb, to the end. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. We ask to a fresh work in us. As we go into this Passion Week, I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would have fresh loyalty and love no matter what difficult circumstance we're in. I lift up the weary and the tired and the hurting and the bitter. I lift up those who feels like they're in some form of oppression. And they had hoped, they had hoped that their earthly circumstance would be a little bit different. I pray that they would see the deep work of salvation. I pray they fall in love with Jesus afresh and anew. I pray that the weightiness of the cross good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ would be our story again. If you're here today and you just want to begin your journey, you say, I surrender. I don't want to live for me. I give my life to the worthy lamb. He gave his life for me. I give my life to him. I want to invite you just to pray this prayer. It's not all that you say to God, but it's the beginning. Just say, Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. I'm yours give you everything.
Father, we love you. I pray for each person making this choice to follow you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would walk with you for decades to come. We love you. In Jesus' name.